Welcome to the Die Hard Hoops podcast. We are coming at you from the great Mitten State. Micah and I are talking a little NBA playoffs. Um, but first, Micah just concluded our first week of basketball camp. Driving around Northwest Ohio, working with a couple different programs. Anything stick out to you so far? Uh. I mean, it just went really smooth. Uh, I think the kids were, you know, excited to be back in the gym with, you know, not as many restrictions. We could play one-on-one, three-on-three. It was just a good time. It seemed like they learned a lot. It is so nice to be doing summer stuff again, and at least for the state of Ohio, you know, nobody has to wear a mask. We can compete. We can play. Um, It felt like a summer camp in 2019, and... um, yeah, I think that was one of the reasons why everything even went as smooth as it did because everybody was just fired up to, to be in the gym, working, getting after it, getting better, and i um, excited to see where these programs go. We're back in Ohio again next week, shooting camp, Bowling Green, Ohio, and got another private team camp in Ohio, and then finish out the week working in uh, Cass City a little bit, so um, get a little bit of both states in this week, and obviously... We've been watching a lot of the NBA playoffs in the evenings. So now we're getting in to the halfway through the second round of the playoffs. Micah, what sticks out to you so far? Uh, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of different things. I guess what sticks out to me is, you know, just how weird the Clippers are, which is, you know, that sticks out to a lot of people. Um, you know, people were really doubting them, and they obviously – you know, they had the right to once they got down 0-2 in the first round to the Mavericks. You know, and then they, they slowly overcome that, and they win in Game 7. And you're thinking, okay, now maybe they, they have some confidence. Maybe they're figuring some things out. Uh, they're, they're learning. They're growing. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're in the same situation uh, against the Jazz right now. So I guess that sticks out to me. That's a good point. I mean, I figured they'd lose the first game just because it was such a quick turnaround. Yep. Um, but I thought, you know, if they were going to make something out of the series, winning game two was huge. Now they're in a big, big hole. Could they come back? I mean, yeah, they they could. Um, it's not like Utah hasn't given up a 3-1 lead before. They gave it up last year to the Denver Nuggets. So um, it, it can be done. And anytime you have a team where your second-best player is a non-scorer like Gobert, um, I think some things can happen. But really it is weird because it's like the second – it's like you're watching a rerun yeah. of a TV show, and you're like, wait, Clippers, you're like doing the exact same stuff as you did last year. Yeah. Um, what about the Eastern Conference? Eastern Conference, well, what stuck out to me was the Hawks, uh, the first game of the series. You know, it was, it was pretty dominant, but it was interesting because at the end of the game, the Sixers came back. You know, so like it seemed like the Hawks were going to have crazy momentum going into game two. Uh, but then the Sixers came back, so they kind of like, you know, they might have lost a, a little bit of confidence, but, you know, they won game one. They controlled almost the entire game, uh, and that was something that I liked to see. I, I was rooting for the Knicks in the first round. I, I liked Derrick Rose. I enjoyed watching Julius Randle this year. I just like the grit that they have. But now that uh, now that Trey proved he was he was the best player on the floor and his, his team has a lot of nice pieces, I'm definitely rooting for them over the Sixers. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, how Trey Young is going to adapt to, 
you know, the physicality that the refs allowed them to play with last game with Simmons on Trey. Uh, I'm just really intrigued to see how the game's going to go tonight um, and just how the rest of the series will be. That series, I, I didn't think that was going to be my favorite series out of the four going on, but out of all four, that's my favorite one. The contrast, the styles, Trey Young just kind of in and out. He's just kind of like one of those water bugs just floating around the water. It seems like they're never going in the same direction. He's just always zigzagging and yep. um, just tough to stay in front of those little bugs. And then you got a, a big fly swatter out there in, in Simmons, and that is going to tell you know, a big story about the about who wins that game because you have Embiid, who's, who, if healthy, he's going to dominate. But at the same time, you have the Hawks, who have a much deeper roster when it comes to different players having the ability to score. So it's almost like Embiid against everybody else besides Trey Young, and that can kind of balance each other out. And then so who's going to win out of the defensive-offensive matchup that is Ben Simmons against Trey Young? Um, it's really, really fun to watch. Um, so we're, we're excited. We're looking forward to seeing what happens. Any predictions moving forward? Uh, I can't make a solid prediction. I feel like the Sixers will probably win the series. Uh, if they do, I think it'll be I think it'll be a seven game series. Um, but I'm pulling for the Hawks for sure. Well, there is another series going on in the East, and we watched this game last night. Oh man, Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm really torn. If you listen to one of our previous episodes with with Taylor, and he gave a he gave a passionate, you know, message about why the world, the basketball world, needs to be rooting for the Milwaukee Bucks. But man, they to. make it tough to root for a team that plays the way that they do. So I hate them. Thought why? Why do you hate them? Thoughts it's on the disgusting. Series? It's awful to watch. It's it's horrible. I mean. I understand the hate for the Nets. I, If you ask me if I like the Nets, I'll say no. But part of me like wants to root for them when I watch the game because it's just so beautiful to watch. Like Kevin Durant, one of the, the greatest scorers of all time. It's amazing to watch him play. Kyrie, you never know what he's going to do. And then their role guys, like their role guys do their job. Blake Griffin, I, you know, you can hate on him for... You know, his departure from the Pistons, you know, not dunking, making it seem like he's 50 years old, and then all of a sudden he's throwing down dunks. Um, But if you watch him on the court with the Nets, he's diving on the floor more than anybody else. He's hustling, getting tip slams, getting rebounds, and he's playing great defense on Giannis whenever he's on him. Um, So I just enjoy watching the Nets, but obviously I don't like the fact that they teamed up and they're – their rings that they win will not mean nearly as much as, you know, a ring like, you know, like Dirk Nowitzki or, or players like that. Um, so that's that's my case for enjoying the Nets. My case for not rooting for the Bucks is it's just not fun to watch at all. You got, there was a play last night where Giannis is at the free throw line and Blake Griffin is guarding him. And Blake Griffin is still giving him like five to six feet of room. And Giannis is at the free throw line. Giannis goes between the legs, cross, between the legs, cross, between the legs, between the legs. And Blake Griffin is just standing there. Like, I know you're not going to shoot it. So what does Giannis do instead of passing it out? He runs back. He runs backwards and then just sprints full steam ahead at Blake Griffin. And Blake Griffin blocks it and it's a jump ball. And it's like, dude, 
it, it took him like 12 to 15 seconds to make that play just so he could run straight at Blake Griffin like what he was going to do anyways and get blocked and the ball goes out of bounds. And it's like, I, I can't stand this. Yeah, it's so first off, I'll say comment on the Nets thing. If the Nets didn't have Harden, I wouldn't mind this whole thing oh, yeah. nearly as much. Yeah, because, you know, LeBron and Kyrie work together, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and now yeah. KD, Kyrie. So, and KD was originally my pick to win the MVP. He got hurt very early in the season. Um, I thought he was going to have just a breakout year, and he's showing now that he's healthy. I mean, he's, he's probably the best player in the game right now. Um, he's showing how big of a difference there is from him and, and Giannis going head-to-head. But... If you put Harden on this team, you mentioned everything you like watching him play. And even though they didn't play well as far as shooting in the last game, if you watched him play, you're like, yeah, that's how you play basketball. Like the basketball was moving. They got a couple dominant players who, you know, tried to create for everybody else, took the shots when it was there. You know, KD, you know, put the team on its back and nearly won won the game for him last night almost single handedly. Some of the shots he was hitting was crazy with PJ Tucker. Is just like doing everything that he possibly can. And KD can still just rise up and score. Um, but I will say, when Harden is on that team, I do not like watching that team. Okay. It's it's much more like, okay, it's his turn. They stand around. Their offense centers around Harden a lot when Harden is on the court. And he's my least favorite NBA player to watch. <laughs> so... That's the part that I really, really don't like um, about the Nets. I was really happy that KD left the Warriors to try his own thing because he it just wasn't right that he was on such a such a stacked team. Um, with the Nets, to just give a couple examples of what you mentioned, when you watch him play, you're like that. That's not how the game's supposed to be played. The ball is supposed to be moving. You mean the Bucks? The Bucks. Sorry. The ball is supposed to be moving. There, there should be inside-out possessions. And each of the players on that team should be doing what they do best. Giannis oftentimes does not do what he does best. He should be in the post. He should be rim running. He should be cutting. He should be getting out in transition. But instead, he's trying to be a point guard. Well, he's not a point guard. He's not a great passer. Not a great shooter. Horrible shooter. Horrible shooter. The decision-making stuff of when to do certain things is also not really there, right? Reading help side defense. Like, he drives left. He wants to spin back to the right. Well, everybody's starting to know that, especially in the playoffs when you're playing the same player. They're coming over and helping. They know he's going to spin back to the right. All of these different things, his, his feel for the game, and it's just like a, it's a square peg, round hole kind of thing. And I don't understand watching them why they don't run more, more sets, to get different guys the ball in positions that they can be successful. Like, can you run a play for Brent Forbes if you need a three? Can you run a ball screen with um, Middleton or Giannis as the ball handler? Or, or put Holiday, I'm sorry, not Giannis as the ball handler, Giannis as the screener. What if you put um, a bunch of possessions where you cleared a side for Holiday and Giannis to run a ball screen and then you ran a double screen action on the weak side for Middleton? Like, again, is that I so know. Hard to do? Well, that's the thing is like, I'm not. We were talking about this yesterday with a friend of ours. Like, we're clearly not as smart as the NBA coaches are, but which is why I'm so confused. Like, I know they're smarter than I am, 
but why aren't we seeing more ball movement and why aren't we seeing more plays where the basketball is in the hands at different times when the players are able to do what they do best Middleton can we loosen him up instead of having him try to go one-on-one and take contested shots Giannis can we get the basketball out of his hands at the top of the key unless he's in transition can we let Holiday who is a point guard and Holiday had a really rough game and as Jeff Van Gundy was stating as they were showing some of Holiday's stats like it's it's hard for Holiday to do what he does because they're not letting him do what he does well, right? He's playing the two guard even though he's a point guard and he's a yeah. good point guard. So as much as I'm rooting for the Bucks for the sanctity of the game of basketball, the purity of the game of basketball, and I do love that the, you know they they play hard during the regular season, postseason, like they're gonna play and get after it. They make it really hard to root for because as would you watch them play? Like that's just not how supposed to go um, so it's it's a frustrating series going in I thought that was going to be my favorite series to watch um, but it has clearly been just frustration as we try to well, see kind of what shakes out well this uh, conversation kind of makes me wonder what would be worse for the NBA for the Nets guys to team up and win an easy ring or for the Bucks to play an absolutely atrocious style of basketball and win a ring. Because, you know, what if the Bucks get a ring with this style that makes me throw up in my mouth? And then other teams are like, maybe we should draft a guy that's, you know, maybe we should try this. And, and they start going in this direction. And, you know, they adopt something that they shouldn't adopt. And then on the other hand, if Nets win a ring, you know, is that just going to encourage even more super teams? So I'm, I'm still debating, like, if either one of these teams want a ring, which would be worse for the NBA? Well, I would say, I would argue that if the Bucks were to win a ring, they can't play the way that they've been playing. There's no chance, in my opinion, that they can make it through the round they're in, the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Finals with the style of play. They're just not going to. So with, with that in mind, now I would say, okay, it's worse if the Nets win because we're setting a, a bad precedent for what the game of basketball is looking like with this next generation, that you can you can treat the team and the, the program that you signed a contract with that poorly, not show up, essentially demand a trade, and not just demand a trade, but demand a trade to a specific team, and then you have it all work out, and then you can throw this team together with a coach who's never even coached before, and hey, there you go, we got a title. Like I think that's... That it would be really bad compared yeah. to like the Bucks will not win unless they change the way that they're playing. It's, it's amazing that they won last night. Yeah, they won in spite of of their in it. You know, I, I thought that the game last night was more so the Nets did not did not play well. They just didn't they just yeah. didn't play well than it was the Bucks. You know, having a recipe for for how to win win the game. So. Um, Mike, as we finish out the podcast, anything you're looking forward to this summer? Uh, just in general? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm excited to run these camps. Uh, I'm excited to, you know, see where I'm going to college next and kind of get everything situated with my future plans. And, you know, I'm just excited for the next step of my journey, moving to a new city, uh, hopefully learning, well, definitely learning a lot more, more about the business field and, you know, just moving on with my future. I'm excited about that. 
that's exciting. And, and uh, for all the players that, that listen to this podcast, they look up to you. If there's a, a young player, let's say it's a Bayshore basketball camp's coming up in Michigan, so you'll have a lot of players that look up to you there. You got a kid at camp, and they didn't play much last year. They love basketball, but they're kind of on the outskirts of, of consistent playing time for the team that they're on. Um, what is some advice that you would give that kid to do this offseason to improve their chances of increasing their playing time? Yeah, um, I would encourage them to ask a few questions. You know, if you got a little bit of playing time, ask yourself, what was the, the good thing that you did for your coach to trust you to be on the floor for that amount of time? And work on improving that, so improve your strength. And then ask yourself an even more important question, what's the reason why I didn't play enough? So whether it's defense, whether it's you can't shoot a three or you can't drive, can't take care of the ball, then you need to focus on that weakness this entire summer and just basically expose that weakness throughout this whole summer so by the time the season comes around, you'll be comfortable with that. So basically ask yourself, what are your strengths? Improve your strengths. What are your weaknesses? Improve your weaknesses. And then ask yourself from a team perspective, what do you think your team needs next season? And ask yourself how you can fill that role. Yeah, that's a good that's a good answer. Um, I mean, if, if you have the chance to write that down or take some notes uh, for a young player, I, re- I recommend doing that. Honestly, that'd be a good advice for a college player too, who's kind of maybe you're the eighth or ninth man or woman on the team, you want to get some more time, that's something that you can do. I would also say, you know, with, with that question specifically, it was a great question. With that question specifically, it's we're not talking like the fourth or fifth best player on the team or the sixth best player on the team and you're trying to start. If we're talking the fringe, I'm in, maybe the next game I'm not playing and then the next game I am playing, I would tell you, if you can play defense and you can make good decisions, not turning the basketball over, you're making solid passes, you're going to play more. Yeah. That can bump you from eight or nine or not playing every single game. That will give you time every single game. If the coach can trust you, when you go in there, you're going to be tough. You're going to be physical. You're always going to be in the right spots on the defensive side. And then when you do get the basketball, they can trust you. You're not going to take any crazy shots. You're not going to try some move that you're not very good at. You're just going to say, okay, what does the team need me to do? If you're on the eighth or ninth you know, player on the roster, you're clearly not at this point one of the better players on the team. So you need to help the best players on the team do what it is that they do. And if you can do that defensively and make smart decisions offensively, you're automatically going to move yourself up to more playing time. And then you can also start to think about the things that Micah mentioned as far as what does your game look like, what do you need to improve, what are strengths and weaknesses, and all that good stuff. All right? Micah, what else do you have? That's all I got right there. There we go. We're done. Thank you for listening to the Die Hard Hoops podcast, and we look forward to talking with you again very soon. Go Bucks. See ya.